Newly Eberty is the art and state of being a woman, and I think that should be celebrated. My name is Michelle Lyons. Welcome to the Celebrate Newly Eberty podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast is for information only and not a substitute for consulting a healthcare professional. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this very excited and highly anticipated chat with my learned colleague and friend, Fiona Rogers. Um, What Fiona doesn't know about the use of electrotherapy, frankly, is not worth knowing. She is also a research fiend and is very generous about disseminating the latest research around different modalities. She has a couple of amazing online courses that I highly recommend because they will literally change the way you think and practice uh, with electrotherapy, particularly in the realm of pelvic health. Fiona Rogers, welcome to the podcast and to the YouTube channel. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Fiona, do you want to just um, talk a little bit about your background and, you know, what you do and how you ended up being Electro Girl? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a physio. I've been a physio for more years than I like to admit to. Something I think it's about 38 years now. Um, and I've been mainly in pelvic health for the last 20, 25 years. And we, my husband and I actually own a business called Pelvic Floor Exercise. Uh, so we sell uh, devices like TENS machines and anything for pelvic floor rehab. Um, and so I was getting a lot of questions about um, particularly stimulation machines, TENS, NMES, et cetera, and started to find it quite fascinating. So I felt that I had to upskill and that was sort of 12, 15 years ago. So now I've sort of um, just really... Um, upskilled a lot over the years I love reading the research on it and then it became obvious that uh, it's one of those topics that people have either had a lot of uh, education on or not a lot Uh, and generally it's been not a lot so um, I developed my courses to sort of fill those gaps to try and answer the questions that I was getting asked all the time so here we are here we are so Mm. yeah I think electrotherapy kind of was one of those things that came in and out of physio fashion Um, Yep. But really, over the past couple of years, you know, thanks to you, I've been exposed to all of this very exciting research, particularly around TENS and tibial nerve stimulation. And it's it's just I find it very exciting because this Mm. small little machine can can apparently do magical things. Um, (laughs) And yes, I know it's all science. It's not magic, really. Um, But it's it's very exciting to think that something that's external, non-invasive, and very cost effective can be used for so many different conditions. And I think that's really borne out by the level of interest when I posted on Instagram and on Facebook that we were having this chat and I opened it up to to questions. Mm. uh, We were absolutely inundated with questions. And so I think without further ado, Um, let's jump in and give the people what they want in terms of information about TENS and tibial nerve stimulation. So before you start, sorry, before you start, can I just say, um, you know, TENS has had a bad rap, probably because in the pain area, it's, you know, a lot of the research in past years was not done as well as it should be. That is changing. And I know, you know, there's a lot of uh, anti-TENS in the musculoskeletal world as far as yeah. like low back pain, et cetera, goes. But I think like within the pelvic health region for certain, we are very lucky there's been a plethora of research 
Um, And, uh, you know, that's all starting to be disseminated down into uh, systematic reviews and meta-analysis now. So there there is a lot more robust uh, research for it, yeah. Fiona, I just wonder, before we start, can you tell us why the tibial nerve? Why Why are we, you know, using the tibial nerve on the, you know, lower leg for pelvic health? Because basically it's the back door into the sacral plexus. So it's the where the tibial nerve is the most superficial as it of the nerve pathways as it comes around behind the medial um, malleolus there. So we've got easy access to it and we can do that transcutaneously. Yeah. We can also do it percutaneously, but you know, generally, certainly over here in Australia, it's out of scope to be doing, you know, the acupuncture or electroacupuncture. I know that it's in scope in other parts of the world. But your patients still got to come into the rooms to to have you do that to them. So the whole idea of this is like self-management at home. So, yeah, it's the access. And the way I often explain it, and it all, this all comes down as well to uh, wherever you're using TENS for pain, is that if you think of the um, the brain as your central you know, major city and the spinal cord is the, the major highway leading to it, you think about those branches of um, you know, sciatic nerve and coming down to the tibial nerve, they're your off-ramp roads. So if you're putting traffic through those, it will ultimately get to that spinal cord level and, and further on as needed. So it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But that means you can do the input, the sensory input with your TENS anywhere along those pathways. So when people start asking me, oh, what's the protocol for this? Where do I put the electrodes for that? It's actually coming down to, yes, there are certain areas that can work really well, but not every patient, you can do it like that. And we will come to that. I think there's a few questions about swollen ankles and so forth. Um, But as long as you're trying somewhere along that pathway uh, to get that input, then uh, you should be able to have some degree of success. That's That's a really clear explanation, because that's often, I think, one of the confusing parts. And it leads me on just to get something out of the way now, because I know this is a personal bugbear of yours. TTNS, PTNS, discuss. Discuss. <laughs> Transcutaneous tibial nerve stimulation, percutaneous tibial nerve station, uh, percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation. But people call it PTNS because they call it the posterior tibial nerve. And yes, in some texts it's called that, but it becomes very confusing. There is no such thing as the posterior tibial nerve. It's the tibial nerve. Um, It comes down to semantics. But when you're looking at trying to um, talk about the, the topic and people are talking PTNS, I'm assuming they're doing percutaneous. And then you have to, uh, you know, disseminate what are you actually talking about? Are you doing it percutaneously or transcutaneously? And there's a really good paper. I know I quote this one all the time by Moretti et al. I think it was 2018, 2019, talking about nomenclature and saying that we really ought to be using TTNS and PTNS just to make it simple. But you will find it, you know, a lot of the research is a, is a bit hard to work out until you're halfway through the paper what they're actually doing. So let's call yeah. it the tibial nerve. Let's. Okay. I don't want Ratha Fiona, so that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to jump into the questions? I'll do the cues. Yes, you hit me with them. 60 <laughs> questions in 60 seconds. No pressure. Okay, here we go. Parameters, proper use and settings, and electrode placement. Okay, well, all I'm going to say for that is it depends. You know, like how long is a piece <laughs> of string? It. And um 
principles, not protocols. So, and that, that's the whole basis of what I teach. So I can't sit here and tell you what are the, the right settings, what are the right electro placements, because I have to say, what condition are you talking about, uh, et cetera. So um, that principles, not protocols is one of my favourite sayings. And I got that one from Sandy Hilton, as a lot of people will know Sandy. Um, and it, it just rings true because with this modality, if you understand the principles of it, you can work it all out. So it's not about cookie cutter protocols and apply clinical reasoning to it as well. I really, I find all the time that once people, you know, everyone has their clinical reasoning skills. That's what we go through university for and hopefully develop once we've left uni. But as soon as you put a machine in someone's hand, those clinical reasoning skills seem to go out the window. So use those and, you know, yeah, I, I, we don't have the time here for me to go through all of the settings, all the electro placement. So um, it, it depends. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's, no, that's fine because it kind of leads us nicely into the next question. You know, what type of patients is TENS appropriate for? Um, again, how long is a piece of string? So um, you, you, as long as you use your clinical reasoning skills and this is a patient that might require some pain relief or is this a patient that you, you might be wanting to treat um, overactive bladder, pelvic pain, um, fecal incontinence or fecal urgency. Um, it's an adjunctive. That's the other big thing to remember. It is an adjunctive uh, modality. It's not a standalone treatment. And typically, it has also always been left to be a, um, you know, last resort. Nothing else has worked. Okay, so let's try some TENS. But we've got really good evidence that shows us that if we can use it earlier in the treatment paradigm, it can, and as an adjunct, it can help um, significantly. So, you've, you know, let's talk OAB. You've got to do all your lifestyle, behavioural changes, all of those sorts of things. Um, and then use it as an adjunctive treatment to, to that. So it really, and, and any other patients, obviously, if there's contraindications, um, they're not going to be appropriate for it. But as you said at the beginning, it can be a very, it's non-invasive, it's cheap, mm. it's easy to do, and there's no side effects. Um, so, it, you know, it's well worth trying uh, before going on to uh, other treatments that are more invasive. So would it be fair to say that some of the things that TENS slash TTNS could be used for would be things like pain, particularly dysmenorrhea, endometriosis pain, things like yep. fecal, urgency frequency, <laughs> overactive bladder. Yep. Um, I think those are kind of the, the big ones that we're, we're seeing some of the research coming through on. And it's fantastic because those are all really distressing issues. And mm. what I love about this is it kind of gives the people that we're working with self-efficacy and some control Absolutely. over us. You know, Absolutely. which is very yeah. empowering, I think, for a lot of them. And I'm, I'm also going to add in, because this is my personal um, passion project, it can be really useful for folks after pelvic cancers, where you might be kind of hedgy about using something locally in the electrical therapy field, because it's a distal site. Um, mm. And that, that I think is really exciting because so many of these people are told, well, there's nothing we can do about it. And this, this is another possible adjunctive um, option for them. Mm. Okay, um, let's see. Is there a comparison between external on the sacrum, on the tibial nerve, on the lower leg, or internal or implant? Okay, Question. so for overactive bladder, I'm assuming on that one. Um, my policy is the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. Sweetheart, sweetheart. Sweetheart, keep it simple, sweetheart. Basically, the difference between them all, and you know, when you look at the research efficacy, you know, sacral nerve stem has got very good efficacy 
um, PTNS has got excellent as well. So the, the further away from the nerve you are, obviously the less, uh, least effective, although it is still very effective, if you get what I mean. So with the transcutaneous, when you're using TTNS, you're, you're not as close to the nerve as you will be with percutaneous, where you're getting that needle right next to it. And then you're not going, that's not going to be as close to the nerve as when you use um, an IPG in a right up on S3. So that's the difference between them all. But when you look at invasiveness, cost, et cetera, starting off with TTNS will work for a huge percentage of patients. If it doesn't work, we've still got those other things up our sleeve. Mm, okay, great. So um, again, this might be a nice kind of follow-up. Um, when seeing uh, patients with, you know, and you're going to use TTNS for them as part of your treatment protocol, should they be seen more than once a week for TENS? There's absolutely no point. If, you're, if you've got a patient using TENS for any condition, they need to be using a machine themselves at home, other, unless you are going to get them to pay to come into your clinic every day. That, that's the short answer on that one. And mm. the same goes for um, NMES too, if you're doing muscle stimulation. Okay. So that's a, a short answer. They need regular treatment and the whole you know, process of this is that it, we're, we're handing over self-management and self-efficacy to them. So would you recommend daily usage? Um, say we're talking about tibial nerve stimulation, transcutaneous. <laughs> well, you know, yes, personally, when we first start, the, the research sort of goes from daily to, to weekly and showing yeah. efficacy. And that's mainly because most of the studies have done have been done parallel to percutaneous. So yeah. they've used the parameters and the, the modality for that or the uh, treatment um, parameters. Uh, but yes, you, you usually find in, in clinic, if the patient can do, uh, not in clinic, but when you see a patient in clinic um, and sending them home, that if you can get them to start daily and then teeter the dose down appropriately yeah. as they, they improve, uh, if they can tolerate it. But, you know, we have evidence that, you know, three days a week, once a week can help too. It's just going to take longer. It's not going to get a better result doing it every day necessarily is what we're seeing from the research. And when we did our scoping review um, that we published last year with that, that's sort of the trend that we saw. It's just more that you'll get there quicker. Okay. And unilateral or bilateral? Well, it always used to be unilateral. But again, research in recent years is starting to show that um, you may get a better, quicker, or not necessarily better, but a quicker effect if you're going mm. bilateral. Great. Um, and I, I think just, for, yeah, for somebody with, you know, fecal urgency, frequency, soiling, you know, that's really important. Oh, absolutely. And that's where a lot of that bilateral research started was with, with fecal. Yeah. Um, I always just urge that just be very careful with patients who may have mobility issues because if you've got two lead, lots of leads hanging down, you know, if they get up and start walking around, there is a bit of a trip risk. Okay, good, good point. Um, mm. What brands do you recommend that have settings for incontinence and for pain? This is one of my pet hates, to be honest, this question. There are so many brands out there. Okay, so I'm not going to actually name any brands as we talk today because people from all over the world will be listening to this. Um, I also, my pet hate is I don't like the presets. Most of them, are, I, I probably shouldn't publicly say this, but most of them are um, they're, they're, they're there to be used if you don't know how to use it properly but most of them aren't as effective as they should be. What you need to look for in a machine is that you can um, adjust those parameters, that you can set a custom program in it and set in the parameter ranges that you want to. That's where the value is in a machine, not in how many preset programs it's got, 
um, and all the fancy names that it gives to its its particular presets. So, and that goes for um, NMES as well. Excellent. Yes, because as you said, you know, principles, not protocols. And if you understand why you're doing what you're doing, you should yeah. have if you're going to use this as a modality, you should understand how it works and then how to tweak it if, it if it needs tweaking. Yeah. Um, and you, you will get somewhere with some of the presets. But, um, yeah. for example, the presets on most of the machines that we use here for overactive bladder have five seconds on, five seconds off of um, the, the correct Hertz level. So basically you're halving the treatment. It mm. just, just makes no sense at all. So, um, you know, you want that on continuously rather than a, a on and off. That's just an example. So any, uh, any test machine that you can adjust to the right uh, parameters. Okay, great. Um, is there much evidence for its use in faecal incontinence, urge urinary incontinence? What do you think? Or just urinary urgency, full stop? Loads of it. And I, you know, we don't have time for me to yeah. sit here and run through it all. Um, I, that's, I actually go through it all in acute detail in, in my courses, um, yeah. both of the courses, so, well, particularly TTNS course as far as um, all of that goes, but I, I, I talk about how to use it in the other one. Um, so, yes, we, we've got loads of, of evidence and emerging evidence for um, emerging for faecal incontinence, but also lots for urgency and urge incontinence. You know, and then this is, you know, we don't have time to go into this now either, but you have to then look at what is it urge urinary incontinence or is it urge um, urgency? You know, are they are they OAB wet? Are they OAB dry? Are, are they any other yeah. factors coming into that? Is it the fact that, you know, is there some um, pelvic floor muscle weakness as well? So that the urge, do we treat the urge first? Do we treat the, the strengthening? For, you know, there's so many factors that you have to clinically reason through as far as that goes. Absolutely. Um, why does it work? I'm just reading the questions here. Why yeah. does it work for fecal incontinence, but not stress urinary incontinence? Okay. Because stress urinary incontinence is the result of the failure of the continence mechanism, basically. So you've got fascial tissue, you've got muscle tissue, you've got the coaptation of the, you know, urethral walls uh, involved there. So it's basically a mechanical issue. Um, whereas fecal incontinence on the whole is usually that urge incontinence that we're, we're talking about. So um, it will work for that because it can help reduce the sensory um, uh, aspect of urgency. Uh, whereas that um, sometimes there can be the factor of the weakness of the external anal sphincter, but normally there's that big urgency factor involved. So they're two completely different um, pathophysiologies, I, I believe. Um, and that's why it works. And the urgency works very much on that retrograde, trying to reduce the retrograde waves um, through the gut, which is the theory of why, one of the theories of why sacral nerve stem or the implants work. So, um, yeah, completely different. Although I did just recently see a paper using electroacupuncture for stress urinary incontinence. Um, so, you know, I think that was out of one of the Chinese universities. It, um, so, you know, they're starting to look along those lines, but I'm not quite sure what the mechanism would be there. Okay. Um, let's see. Can you use TENS? Continuing on di diagnoses, can you use TENS? Uh, in a pain relief fashion for a pudendal neuralgia? And if so, where would you put the electrodes? You can use it for any pain, um, any pain issue. And um, as I said at the beginning, somewhere along that pathway. So there, again, there's no actual set place to put them. 
If you want to, it depends where your symptoms are as well, uh, but you can surround the where you can get to the pudendal nerve sort of around the ischial tuberosities. You can do it along the, the spinal path, you know, the, the spinal segments that, that relate to the area. Um, you can do it distal or proximal to where you're getting your pain. So, um, you know, th that's another sort of answer. I'm, I'm not really meaning to be wishy-washy about it, but if as long as you get that input somewhere along there through that highway to go up to the, the higher levels. Uh, so, again, you know, it's not a set. You must put your electrodes here or there. Whereas TTNS, it is a very set protocol as to where they go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So a lot of this comes down to understanding the logic behind why you would use a certain modality and understanding how it works and remembering your anatomy as well you know oh, absolutely and then, yeah and then absolutely. you know instead you're you're not giving you're not giving folks recipes for this um are there any research-based endometriosis settings Very and i'm going to jump in here yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly Fiona and I did an extensive chat on TENS for endometriosis and dysmenorrhea. And that video is already on my YouTube channel. So I'm going to send you there because it's a 40 minute chat. And that is literally all it's about. And we talk about all the settings and the placements and all the answers will be there. So I'm going to skip ahead because we have lots of other questions that I want to get through here. Um, some of the contraindications questions came up. Can you use TENS post-viral cardiomyopathy? Well, I would question there what for and where, like, mm. like where are you wanting to use it and for what? Um, if you want to look at contraindications, the best place to go is electrotherapy.org with Professor Watson's um, website. Yes. And also this book here, Electrophysical Agents, um, which uh, Tim Wilson and um, Professor Nussbaum um, edited. There's nothing specifically about cardiomyopathy in there and there would be no reason to not. But as I said, where are you planning on putting the electrodes in for, for what? But yeah. um, be aware that they do use um, NMES in particular in the ICU units for uh, you know patients who have um, to try and maintain muscle mass for long-term intubated patients. So, yeah, I, I I haven't seen anything that says it would be contraindicated. Can't. Okay, um, can TTNS be used with chronically swollen ankles, or would you switch to sacral? One thing with that make sure you know that the patient has been medically checked because there's so many uh, quite serious uh, medical conditions that could cause that um, that swelling of the ankle so let's put that aside and say yes that's been checked if that swelling doesn't come down um, yes you can go sacrally if because usually with very swollen ankles you're going to have poor sensation which is a contraindication but the main thing is you're going to get the impedance of the tissue so instead of being close to that nerve you've got a lot of fluid between the electrode, the skin, and then the nerve. So you're just going to attenuate the current um, and probably not be as effective. Uh, so certainly going up to sacral. Just to, to slide in there, we have a lot of um, research starting to be done on the um, perineal nerve and the saphenous nerve. So they, if you think of that highway up upwards from the tibial nerve, they are, you know, side streets coming in on there as well. So we're getting some pretty promising research uh, showing there. So there's, there's hopefully going to be more options down the track as to where we can effectively do it. But Brilliant. yeah, I, it, you probably won't get anywhere if you've got quite small many things. Um, let's see. 
can, can TTNS, I think this is kind of a similar question, can TTNS be used if varicose veins in the area of placement? Well, again, I would say that probably indicates poor tissue quality, um, mm. decreased sensation and, and swelling, which are going to be contraindications. So it would really depend if you've done your sensory testing um, and everything's fine and, um, you know, there's no discomfort, but the skin is often quite fragile. Um, I've had a few elderly patients with them where their skin just won't take the electrodes in that area. So, again, just look through all of those um, precautions and contraindications before doing it. Perfect. Um, how does it work for neurological populations, for example, Parkinson's? And I wonder if this actually, kind of ties oh, in with constipation, perhaps, as well. There's a lot of research. In fact, a, a large portion of the research for TTNS is actually on neurogenic bladders mm. and um, very uh, positive research on there, too. So, um and that's what we saw when we were doing that scoping review. There's, there was that trend towards it. So with the bladder, it, it, the, the theories are like it's all theory, you know, theories of various theories of how it works. Is it like there's a reorganization of um, spinal reflexes? It inhibits the, um, um, it, it, the sorry, it, it increases the afferent input to the the sacral um, micturition center. It's thought to, one of the theories too, is that it works on the amygdala pathway. So it calms down the fear because obviously once you've got urgency, you know, whether it be fecal or, or um, overactive bladder, there's that fear factor that it's going to happen again. So that calming effect on the amygdala. Um, and it, the fact that it re, um, it tries to restore the, the balance between excitatory and inhibitory. So the thought is that it, it brings those back more into balance. So sometimes the analogy I'll use there too is if you think of a roundabout and, well, I don't know, in part of the world you go round that way, we go <laughs> clockwise, round roundabouts down under. Same um, here. So that's the only way I can think about it um, is that instead of doing that, when you know the we're getting inhibited, the, the, the pathways are going round the wrong way. So it's basically trying to push those vehicles back on which are the, you know, the, the neural impulses back onto the correct way of going around that roundabout, if that makes sense to anybody. Yeah. So it just, yeah, it kind of balances things back out. So magic, basically, is what you're saying. Magic? Well, yeah. Yeah, that, no. that's, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Um, can, you use, can you use TTNS in children and pediatric patients? You can. Um, there are some big trials underway at the moment, actually. Uh, there's always been a little bit of, you know, what age mm -hmm. can we start? Um, and that you shouldn't actually do TENS over an epiphyseal um, area. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, you've got to know your anatomy there and get it sort of maybe a little bit further up if you think you're near the epiphyses. But it will be really interesting. But those, a lot of those studies are starting. Uh, I think their recruitment is from 5 to 12-year-olds um, from okay. memory. So absolutely you can. There's good evidence, though, too, that doing it sacrally with kids um, can work very effectively um, because they're smaller and there's, you know, less tissue to get through to that they'll um, it can be just as successful going sacrally. Excellent. Um, does TTNS have any effect on internal anal sphincter overactivity was one of the questions that came through. Uh, no, because that's the only um I'm involuntary muscle. Yeah. Um what am I trying to say? I'm smooth muscle. So um yeah. The effect so, that 
Yeah, no, it's not going to have the effect on that. And I think maybe that question is relating a little bit more to perhaps um, Eastem NMES. Possibly. 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 I think. But I the, think. Can I just say the interesting yeah. thing though? There were when I was putting the TTNS course together, there mm-hmm. were a couple of papers that um, showed good efficacy for anal fissures. Yes, the that was very exciting, was wasn't it? Reduced pain would cause less um, spasm, but we're basically talking about the EAS there, and then that allows if there's less spasm there, yes, to, um, let produce more or allow more blood flow um, and allow better healing is the theory on that. That I think was one of the more exciting, well, it was all a very exciting course, obviously, but it was one of the most exciting parts of your Mm. TTNS Mm. course, uh, as far as I was concerned, because if you couple that finding about kind of the the potential use of of using a TENS machine, then with the the newer research from Danielle van Rijn-Baggen's research about, you know, kind of manual strategies, it really opens up a whole new world for potentially treating anal fissures, which can be super distressing. For, for so many people. So um, that, that was a shocker for me um, to, yeah. to see that, yeah. um, but I think very exciting. And you mentioned- Surgery was, sorry. sorry I was just going to say, so surgery was still re, um, regarded as the gold standard, but mm. they got such good results using TTNS that a lot of people, you know, for whatever reason, couldn't have surgery. Um, and even just whilst you're waiting to do that, to use TTNS to help reduce the pain and maybe episodes, why not mm. give it a try? Why not? Indeed. Mm. So you mentioned very humbly, but briefly, the scoping review you were involved in last year. Can you tell us what was your favorite finding from that? Oh, did you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite finding? No, you know what? I think it was a a really valuable. I know I'm, I'm kind of blindsiding you here a little bit with it, but it was a great paper. Um, and a huge amount of work obviously went into it, but I think it's, it's absolutely necessary if, if we are going to progress our understanding and usage of this valuable modality. Um, mm. And as, as one of the authors, um, you know, what did, what did anything surprise you about it? Were you pleased with, uh, with the outcomes of it? I would say, yeah, and it was a it was a huge team effort, though, you know, with the five of us. And we actually did the original research during lockdown. So that was fun. Um, yeah, I think it was more that it showed, and what what I we did basically was we reviewed all the papers. There's a, an excellent systematic review by Booth et al. But we reviewed all the papers that have been published since then. So um, we sort of picked up the the ball and, and took it from there. Um, and it was really more that I felt um that you know, we have, it showed that we have got really good evidence for yeah. uh, for using TTNS and, and that was looking only at um, overactive bladder. But um, yeah, it, it kind of just cemented and confirmed that we really should be trying this with our patients. But the thing that I really wish somebody would do, most of the, the in the research, the, the um, registrants that they use are people who have um, failed other treatments or they're resistant to, to other treatments. So they've basically failed medication and, and so forth. Oh, let's put them into the TTNS trial. And because we get such good results, even with those that are recalcitrant, if we started them before they became recalcitrant, I just wonder how many of those patients would never progress to being quite so chronic. That's yes. what I would love to see um, researched. I think that's that's a really good uh, that's a really good point um, because we see that a lot with physio in general, don't we? We you know they failed other treatments. Oh, let's send them for physio. 
Whereas I think mm. if we were involved maybe a little bit earlier, who knows? And, and certainly mm. from a prehab perspective, um, if surgery is going to be involved, can you just um, actually what I'll do is I'll put a link to the to the paper, um, to the PubMed link for the paper um, in the notes afterwards. So I'm not going to put you on the on the spot for remembering the exact title of the paper now. But I do want to talk about your courses, Fiona, because honestly, they were there. Anybody that I've talked to who's done them has been really blown away. And I personally um, I'm completely not objective when it comes to these courses. But I was listening to the lectures going through the course. We're going, oh, oh, I never knew that. And that makes sense. And honestly, it demystified a lot of a lot of what I learned, to be honest, about electrotherapy in university mm. 150 years ago. So it's all completely evidence based. Um, you have two courses. Do you want to just talk about the two courses and the differences between them and where people can find them? OK, well, the first, the main course is electrical stimulation for pelvic health. So that covers everything. We go from when it was first started, uh, you know, the history of it, right through to all the neurophysiology so that you can then understand why parameters work in a certain way and then you can work it out. Um, so I try to go through it. And that was the whole thing about I tried to go through it all very logically. Um, and then we lead into the differences between TENS and NMES. And um, then we look at all the pelvic health issues that we can use them for. So we look at everything in the pelvis. Can we use NMES? Can we use um, TENS? Um, and then the evidence behind all of that. And then we go into practical side contraindications, all of that. So that's like the normally I present that as a full one day course. Um, but online, you can do it, um, at, you know, in your own time. And from all of that, because so many questions were being asked about TTNS, and it's such an easy modality to use, you know, and effective in clinic, that I thought I'll just do a short course on TTNS. So that's a, a shorter course, um, but it just covers TTNS. And yeah, it's very surprising. There was a lot of things I found, you know, there were papers on um, erectile dysfunction, on sexual function, on fissures, et cetera. So we associate o uh, with OAB basically and a little bit more with fecal urgency, but um, there's there's some quite interesting um, other work that's being done with it as well. So again, I just go through that. Hopefully, I think it's in a very logical way. Um, and then looking at the, the papers that have compared it to say medication, um, exercise and um, looking at the different ages and different types of populations. So it covers, I feel, very extensively um, TTS and gives you a really good understanding of it. Um, I feel that way too. Rather than, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> just as another resource on, uh, uh, yeah, and via my website, pelvicforexercise.com.au, there are the links to the courses which are actually on Teachable. But on the website too, I've got the, which is very popular, I might have to redo it because in that I've got long blonde hair and I don't think anyone would recognize me anymore, um, is the TT, how to set up TTNS. So I use a digital machine and I use an, a, an analog machine and it actually steps you through how to set up TTNS and what to look for. Brilliant. That's all free, so, that one. And that's for free. That's available. That's on your website now. So pelvicfloorexercise.com.au. And yeah. can people follow you on social media? Yes, I sort of hang out on um, Facebook. I've got a Facebook page. I'm on Instagram, um, same name, pelvic floor exercise. Uh, yeah, so they're the main areas I do. I think I've given up on Twitter. Um, it confused the heck out of me. <laughs> it's an angry place, I think, as well. Oh, yeah, so, and I'm, I'm not smart enough to be on there. There's people always giving, you know, smart comebacks. It's just like, no, wait, no. don't feed the trolls. Don't feed the trolls. <laughs> That's my motto about Twitter. 
Fiona, thank you so much for like the incredible generosity and sharing of all of your hard-earned knowledge around this. Um, I, I hope people are excited about TENS machines and the possibilities for tibial nerve stimulation and, and just generally the neuromodulation opportunities that, that are available mm. for really distressing conditions, as we said, like um, overactive bladder, fecal urgency and frequency, uh, dysmenorrhea, endometriosis pain, pelvic pain in general. Um, and I hope that um, yeah. more people embrace this evidence-based modality. And honestly, if you have questions, I guarantee most of them will be answered in Fiona's coursework. So thanks so much for being here, Fiona. And I will see you all next time on the next episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to celebrate Muley Eberty. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you prefer to watch, all the videos of the interviews will be uploaded onto YouTube. If you'd like to learn more, there's a full suite of online courses on women's health, including courses on female pelvic pain rehab, female hormonal health, oncology rehab, and more. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Michelle Lyons underscore Muley Eberty, for special offers and announcements. Until the next time, celebrate Muley Eberty. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.